You're listening to Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel, Las Vegas. This is where real faith meets real change. Be sure to listen to us through Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Follow us on your favorite service to get instant notifications when new episodes are available to download or stream. You can also check us out on social media at PC Las Vegas and visit our website, PraiseChapelLasVegas.com to find out more about what PCLV is all about. With that being said, listen up, because here comes the word. One more praise, amen. Go ahead and grab a seat this afternoon, still morning, amen. Praise the Lord. But I want to minister a a two-part series. I'll minister uh, part one today, and then, then, uh, of course, next week we have Pastor Bobby Menchaca, and then I'll finish it the the following week, amen. But I want to minister on a two-part mini-series entitled, Who is Your Judas? Who is your Judas? Now, don't start looking around, hallelujah. (laughs) Don't try to find out who the Judas is in here, amen, hallelujah. But... Who is your Judas? Amen. I want you to turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 26, 48. Matthew 26 to 48. Now I'm reading out the, the Message Bible. And the Word of God says like this, The betrayer had worked out a sign with him. The one I kiss, that's the one, sees him. And he went straight to Jesus and greeted him. How are you, Rabbi? And then kissed him. Judas. When you hear that name Judas, what comes to your mind? Come on. You may think traitor, the one that betrayed Jesus, amen. How many know that the world is filled with traitors, haters, and betrayers? Hallelujah. Come on. Somebody say yep. And don't look at them right now. (laughs) But the world is filled with that, amen. I I don't know. Have you ever felt betrayed in your life? Come on. have, Have you ever felt hated? Or, or somebody that, that you thought was there for you turned their back on you. See, teenagers experience this as they mature and work through relationships. The one that you think is your best friend, your bestie, your, your homie, can, somebody be, can sometimes be the one that turns their back on you. Betrayal comes in a way that uh, at times, amen, someone's trying to gain position or acceptance over you. I've seen it in the workplace so many times of people portraying friends, friends, I don't know where that came from, amen, friends, hallelujah. Man, something, I think the spirit of Joanna's still here, amen, hallelujah. Friends, <laughs> spirit of Arkansas is still here, amen. <laughs> but portraying friends to gain position. How many know that, that betrayal is painful? Come on, somebody say amen. See, Jesus was no different to this. He, he felt the pain. His own disciple betrays him. One of the 12 closest to him turns his back on him. And I wish I can tell you that every single person that you disciple will become that great man or woman of God And they will be faithful to you. But I'm here to let you know, as you give your life in making disciples with the working of people, with that comes a Judas. And through the course of life, we will all face a Judas. 
or Judas's. If you can understand this, church, and learn the process of betrayal the way Jesus did, then you'll be on your way to, be, to have a fruitful ministry in making disciples, a fruitful ministry in your walk with God if you can learn the process of betrayal. Because if you don't, you're in danger of losing your ministry, your salvation, and the salvation of others. Of all the people in the Bible, Judas is the one that really stands out as the betrayer, right? Come on. Can I tell you a little something and let you in on a little something today? Jesus knew that Judas would betray him. Come on. In, in John chapter 6, verse 64, it says, For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe, and he knew who would betray him. Why Judas? Why Judas? Why did Jesus, who already knew, choose Judas to be one of his disciples? Come on, we have to understand it. We, we, we understand it to a point that it was to fulfill prophecy. Someone had to turn him in. Someone had to betray him in order for prophecy to be fulfilled. But, but why Judas? Why a disciple? Why not some other follower? Why not the person in the temple courts where Jesus preached? Jesus wasn't hiding, amen, when he was preaching in the, in the temple courts, amen. He ministered publicly. A, a number of people could have tur turned to the soldiers and said, I know where you'll find Jesus. Jesus even told the soldiers when they arrested him in Luke chapter 22, four, uh, 53, why didn't you arrest me in the temple? I was there every day. You got to think about this. They knew who Jesus was. Why? Why didn't they arrest him? Why did it have to be Judas to be the one that turned him in when they knew who he was already? Why did it have to be a disciple to lead him to Jesus? Why did it have to be Judas and the kiss? Now, you got to understand that Jesus handpicked Judas to be one of his disciples. He appointed 12 men. He gave them to go out and told them to go out and preach. He, he gave them authority to cast out demons. And Judas was one of these men. See, in working out God's plan of salvation, we see that Judas, listen, is needed to be part of that plan. But why? You have to understand that Jesus loved Judas as much as he loved the other disciples. And now before the Passover celebration, Jesus already knew that the hour had come to leave this world and to go back to the Father. And this is where he shows the, his disciples the full extension of his love. We know the story, amen, it, it is supper time. The, the devil already prompted Judas to carry out his plan, amen, to, to turn his back on Jesus, uh, to turn him in and to betray him. Now, listen, Jesus that night welcomed Judas into the house. They celebrated the Passover, amen. Jesus also washed Judas' feet, knowing that in that very hour, within that moment or that time, that night, Judas was going to turn him in. You would think 
that as Jesus is washing his disciples' feet, and now Judas sits in front of him, knowing that he's going to betray him that very night, as he says, go ahead and put your feet there, Judas, and he turns around and tells the other disciple, give me a, give me a brush of steel wool. You, you would think he would, he would cause some kind of damage to his feet, knowing this guy's just going to turn me in. How am I going to wash this guy's feet? But he did it. You know what he did? Knowing that, he made Judas the guest of honor at the table. I want you to really grab a hold of God's love for us. They were at the table and John, the beloved John, the one that was always hanging out with Jesus, laying on his bosom, and he even asked and kind of whispered to him and says, Master, who's going to turn you in? And he told him in John chapter 13, verse 26, this is the one I honor by giving the dip bread or the bread dipped in sauce. And when he dipped it, he gave it to who? Judas. Now, you got to understand that Jesus wasn't putting Judas on the spot here. You know, John didn't come to him and go, who's going to turn you in, Jesus? He didn't go like this. Watch, watch, watch. Here you go, Judas. That's the vato right there. That's the guy right there. He he didn't put him on a spot like that. He, He wasn't doing that, amen. Jesus was showing his disciples the full extension, listen, of his love. You see, during the Passover meal, it was customary to dip bitter herbs into into salted water. Jesus handed Judas the unleavened bread, which he had dipped in this bitter herbs, amen, and he told him, go do what you're about to do. See, I make this a point to say that salt, you got to understand, has an important part in the Bible. In most most, uh, cultures, it's, it's important in ancient cultures, that is it, that, and they still do it today in some of the Middle East and in India today, that leaders in the Middle East will dip their bread into bitter herb and salt as a covenant and protection and loyalty. Jesus honored Judas at the Passover meal. It was a sign of friendship and covenant relationship. Showing Judas, this is where the love comes, church, Showing Judas that no matter what you do tonight, I am still in covenant with you. You're still my friend. He gave him honor. He says, this is a covenant between you and I. And no matter what you do, uh, no matter where you're going to go, I will never accuse you. I will never assault you in any way. Judas, you may be disloyal to me. But as I dip this bread and hand it to you, I'm going to still be loyal to you. Church, that's the extension of his love for us. Jesus says, you may be disloyal to me at times. You may turn your back on me, amen. But I'll always be here for you, amen. And I will always be loyal to you, church. Come on, you ever turned your back on Jesus? Come on, we all fall short. But Jesus has this covenant and says, you know what? I'm still in covenant with you. I'm still going to be loyal to you. I'll never turn my back on you. You may talk all you want about me, amen, but I'm going to still love you. I'm going to still be with you. As you call my name, I'll be right there. 
This is the full extension of his love. That's the agape of love of God for us. We may even betray him by turning our backs, but he says, I'm here for you. The Bible says he's married to the backslider. Come on, thank Jesus for that. Come on, I don't know about you, but I was a backslider, and he didn't turn his back on me when I came back to him. He didn't cross his arms and say, uh, what are you doing here? He embraced me. Come on, I came from the fields of sin. I came from, a, from being backslidden for 10 years, hard and hard. I mean, uh, man, uh, messed up in my mind uh, and thinking, man, this guy, he's not going to take me back. And he was right there and didn't even mention one thing that I'd done wrong to him. That's the God that we serve, amen. He doesn't throw it at your face. He doesn't remind you. He just simply just says, amen, repent, get right, and I have forgiven you. We don't even have to say, I'm sorry. He says, I already know. And he embraces us and loves us. He's never turned our back on us. See, the garden, in the garden of Gethsemane, this is the, where we see the very human side of Jesus. The night of the betrayal, amen, Jesus went into the garden of Gethsemane. In Matthew chapter 26, 37 and 38, it says this. And he took Peter, James, and John, and he became anguished and distressed. And he told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. The Message Bible says that his soul was very sad and deeply grieved. Jesus was so deeply grieved, church, and so overwhelmed that the Bible says that he sweat drops of blood. In Luke chapter 22, 44 says this, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and then his sweat became great, swat, uh, great drops of blood falling to the ground. Now, you got to understand, how is this possible? Can I let you know that this is a very real medical? If you can put that up, amen. I'm not a, trying to pronounce that word. HEPA. That's all I'll start with. <laughs> Everybody's getting their own thing. There you go. I'll take that one. Amen. Hallelujah. But this is, a, this is a very rare but very real medical condition where one sweat can contain blood. You, you, can, you can check it out. You can Google it. Amen. This is, this is something that's real. It's not, it's not very common. But it's, it, when a person becomes so overwhelmed, amen, uh, so, so stressed out, amen, uh, at a point where the tiny blood vessels start to squeeze into our sweat glands that causes our sweat to look like blood or become blood. This is where Jesus was at. You got to understand, he was so overwhelmed for what he was about to do for us. Here's one of the places where Scripture is fulfilled. In Hebrews chapter 4, 15, it says this, For we do not have a high priest who is, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. I'm here to tell you that Jesus understands how you feel today. Come on, I, I'm here to let you know that he knows what you're going through. He, he's able to sympathize in your weakness, amen, uh, that you can go through your storm and not give in to sin because he's done it himself. See, Jesus struggled. You've got to understand, uh, understand, he's God Almighty, but he's still man in the flesh. 
He feels what you and I feel, amen. And so he struggled with the reality of the cross, amen. He knew what lied ahead of him, amen. He knew that he was going to suffer and feel the pain of the cross, amen. That he had to face the situation, amen, and he had to go through that storm. And that's why the Bible says in Matthew 26 that he threw himself. He threw himself to the ground with his face to the ground and he prayed, Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me. In other words, he said, man, if there's another way that we can do this and win mankind over for their sin, amen, then show me right now, God. But nevertheless, not my will, not my desire, not my way, but Father, your will be done. Come on. See, as he finished praying that, the Father answers him. And it says in Luke chapter 22, verse 43, then the angel of heaven appeared and did what to him? Strengthen him. He's praying and he knows what's ahead. I mean, sometimes you know your pains that are ahead of you. Come on, the suffering that you're going to go through, the agony of, of finding out, the overwhelming of life sometimes, or bills, or, or whatever things that hit your life. Sometimes you can feel overwhelmed that if you go to the Father and you pray like Jesus did, then he'll send some angels to strengthen you. See, he was strengthened, church. Amen. It goes on to say that if you're at the end of your rope, come on, you ever been there? Come on, look like, man, that's it, I'm done, amen. It seems that every door was closing on you. It didn't seem that nothing was going to happen. But if you can just be still and know that he is God, amen. If you can just stay faithful, amen, and not give up or don't give in, but endure, amen. Even at the moment that everything inside of you is saying, quit, it's not working. Why are you waiting for Take matters into your own hands. But if you can just wait and pray and say, God, not my will, but your will be done in my life. That God will send angels to strengthen you at your very moment of agony, your very moment of distress. See, in those moments, we want to handle matters in our own hands, in our own ways. Come on. Someone talking smack about my family, I'm going after them. Come on. All you guys are thinking that right now. You're not going to say, oh, Jesus. Oh. Your first reaction is your flesh. Come on. Let's get real. And if you're not prayed up, guess what? That flesh will take off. Come on. That, that flesh will take off. Come on. We're like, I'm going. I'm taking friends with me. We, you got to understand today, church, that we, we got to pray up. See, that's, that's why when he prayed at the moment that God was preparing him because he knew what was ahead. He knew what was, oh, he was so overwhelmed. He sweats blood at the garden, and he tells his, his disciples, can you just pray with me for this one hour? i got to go do this, amen. And so he's overwhelmed. He's thinking about this, so stressed out. What's going to happen? This is going to hurt, man. Man, this is, this is too much right here. God, is there another way? Because I'm going to feel this. He knew the throne, the crown of thorns that we're going to go place upon his head. He knew he was going to be ridiculed. He knew he was going to be mocked and slapped and spit upon. He knew that the blood hanging on that cross he was going to shed, he was going to feel every single piece of that. 
And so he's going along. And so he cries out in desperation, God, is there another way we can do this? Come on, don't we get desperate sometimes? God, is there another way that we can do this? Can, can't you just fix it like this? You can do all things. Just, just snap your finger, blink your eye. That's all you need to do, God, just a blink of your eye. We'll, we'll fix it. But God's causing us to pray. God's causing us in our agony, in our, in our place of desperation. Get on your knees and know that I'm God. Get on your knees and, and let me see where your faith is. That causes us to get on our knees and seek the living Father and say, God, I, I need your strength. Let me tell you, that moment that Jesus had with God, his Father, that moment when he cried out in agony, that, that moment uh, when he said, you know what, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus came out of that garden empowered. He came out encouraged. and He was strengthened to face the cross. That's all it took was that one prayer, amen, of being in agony. And he comes out empowered, encouraged, and strengthened. Come on, somebody. Come on. God will strengthen you. Let me hear you tell you that, that God will strengthen you to face your own crosses. See, as Jesus came out from that strengthening experience in the garden, amen, guess who was waiting for him? Judas. Come on. And then not only Judas, but Judas bought a mob with him. Isn't life like that? Come on, you get a great, uh, great victory. God moves in a, in a special way on a Sunday uh, or a Wednesday night uh, or a relentless conference, ladies. Amen. Uh, you feel strength in him. Uh, you come out saying, yeah, I'm going all the way. Yeah, devil, come on. Yeah. I'm relentless. And you come out all strong, but Monday rolls around, and guess who shows up? Judas. And he doesn't come alone. He brings some friends with him. Come on, isn't that true? Come on, you think, man, this is my turnaround. Man, I got moved, man, my marriage, woo. It's a turnaround. Jesus, come on. I used to love Brother Dan as he used to worship God there. He had a little turnaround all the time. And he took his time, amen. It wasn't a quick turn. It wasn't a, it wasn't a James Brown type of move. He was just getting into the praise. God, you're going to turn my thing around. I believe that that's what he was worth. God, you're going to turn me around. God, you're going to do something in me. I'm, I'm going to turn around. I'm, I'm getting my turnaround in my life. God, God just starts to move inside our lives and gives us these, these things and he brings us straight. Come on. Come on. You come out of a service uh, thinking this is it, man. Uh, Jesus or bust him in. Uh, I'm going all out. Uh, I'm going to be all I can be for God. And then your Judas shows up. And he brings a bunch of friends with him. Why is Judas necessary? Maybe it was Judas bringing the soldiers at just the right time. 
Maybe it was part of God's timing. He did come out after prayer. He just prayed and received strength to face the cross. He just received strength, amen, to push himself to fulfill the, the purposes of, of, of the Father. But do you know what? He also received strength to face his Judas. Don't you see why it's so important, church, to start your day in prayer? Because you never know if your Judas is going to show up today. Just like Jesus, each of us are going to experience betrayal in disciple-making. Probably a good number of people will leave the ministry, leave the church because of betrayal. But seeing how Jesus responded to betrayal can help you and I today. We got to understand that Judas's build us and cause us to get on our knees. See, the Father prepared him. He knew what to do. He said, man, I'm overwhelmed. Come on, you ever been overwhelmed? Come on, you're going through some things, a tough bill or something pops up, finances, relationships, you know, a bad report from the doctor. Well, whatever it is, we all face these things that, that come into our lives. But if we can be in the practice of preparing ourselves for those moments and not praying at the moment it arrives, did you understand that? See, we're so good to pray when it's hitting us and knocking at our door. And God says, you know, I'm trying to teach you for the things that are coming. I'm trying to teach you to seek me now because there's a giant about to knock at your door that you're going to freak out at. But if you don't see, seek me, it can sometimes take you out. And God's saying, get on your knees. That's why he told the disciples, can you just pray and watch for just one hour? Something dynamic is going to happen right now. And you guys don't really understand. He's, he's trying to teach them. He was trying to teach them to prepare for this time. They still didn't understand. Peter says, no way. No one's going to arrest you. I'll, I'll, I'll take them out. And he even told him, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> he told his disciple to say that. You don't even know what's going I'm trying, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to teach you what's going to happen, and you still don't believe. He had a great heart. We, like we all say that. Man, that's it. I'm going to take the kingdom for God. Let's go. Come on, Vieja. Get the kids. We're going to do this. And Judas shows up. And he brings a mob with him. And all that hype that you were talking about now is not there. And that's why it's so important for the prayer life to be developed in our lives because God's preparing us for the Judas. God's preparing us for the mob that will show up to try to disqualify us. And this is the devil and his demons that will come to try to confuse you, try to to, to discourage you from everything that God just did for you. I mean, God was moving at this altar a week ago. Ladies were excited, amen, and, and now we, we come in and we just got a little praise on. Got a little sophisticated. 
I'm going to let the makeup run this weekend. I, do, I worked a long time on this hair. What happened, ladies? I've seen videos all over the floor, all black. But this week, I want to look good. You didn't care last week, and then what her picture was on Facebook? You didn't care, man. Like, man, Jesus was moving. Man, God was moving, man. That was me getting filled with the Holy Ghost. That was me crying, amen, because God touched my life. Did Judas show up for you this past week? So you got to prepare yourself for Judas. I welcome him. I said, come on, bring what you got because I know my God. I know my God. And I'm not saying I don't feel those things. And, it doesn't, and I'm not saying it doesn't, it, it feels good when those things happen. I, I feel what you guys feel. I feel what Je Jesus felt it. I'm going to feel it. Amen. It's not a happy place when things are coming at you. And you're doing so good and God's moving. Now all of a sudden Judas shows up and his mob and it starts mocking at me or, or mocking about my marriage or, or my kids and starts to bring concerns and all this stuff. I'm not saying I don't feel that. I, I feel that, but you know what? I know who to get a hold of. You got to get on your knees and get to that garden of Gethsemane uh, in your life and say, God, uh, it's your will, not my will. And seek God in that time and hour and say, God, I need you right now. I need you to show up uh, and I need you to show out uh, because I'm overwhelmed right now, God. I'm, I'm scared. I mean, it's okay to tell God you're scared. Let the human side come out of you and let the spirit man rise up in you and say, it's going to be okay, son. It's going to be all right. Let him come and comfort you because he'll send angels to strengthen you just like he did with Jesus. I don't know about you, but when you get in that prayer room and you really start doing your Holy Ghost dance or whatever you do, amen, let me tell you, you come out strong. You come out, I don't know about my wife. My wife locks herself in the room, amen, and she says, stay out. <laughs> I need to get a hold of Jesus right now. Amen. She gets her coffee, goes in that room, and I stay away from there. Because if I just speak up, get out. <laughs> I'm still praying. You're bugging me. <laughs> I got to go downstairs and pray myself. Amen. But then she comes out. You want breakfast? Come on, you got to get a hold of yourself. All of us, we got things that we need to crucify. You know, you know how you wake up. Come on. Spouses say, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I know her. I know him. Come on, we know, we know how we wake up. Come on, we don't wake up. Come on, tomorrow morning's going to wake up, man. It's Monday. You got to go to work. Shut up. You need some Jesus in your life, amen. You need to get on your knees. You need to roll off that bed and thank God that you woke up and say, God, I need strength, amen. I don't know if Judas is going to show up, but I'm going to need you today, Lord. Feel me. I crucify this flesh. I don't want to react the way I react. God, I need more of you in my life. 
got to clothe my mind. I got to put on the armor of God. I got to pray for the fruit of the Spirit to be upon me. Come on, somebody say amen. Because you never know when Judas will show up. Come on. You ever not prayed and something wrong went? Couldn't handle a certain situation that popped up? Let me tell you. If you go to any workplace, there's Judas's there. <laughs> and if they're not saved, guess what? They're ugly. <laughs> Come on, and they're there to push your button. They know exactly where to push you. They know exactly how to. Oh, I said, Jesus, you got to help me. Come on. All of us face those. We got to be prayed up, church. Otherwise, you're going to get rocked. And you're going to get robbed. Rocked and robbed. <laughs> Don't get rocked and robbed. You can leave this place today encouraged, and then tomorrow morning, boom, there he is. There she is. <laughs> Whoever it is, man, you got you to, you got to, Jesus prayed. He showed by example what we ought to do for things that are ahead of us. See, sometimes you ever, I don't know if you ever felt God prompting you to get on your knees and just pray. Because he's preparing your heart because something's about to come. That's how good he is. He says, you know what, son, something's about to happen. You know what, daughter, something's about to happen. And he prompts, you know what, I, I need to pray for, I don't know why, but I'm going to go pray. And then you come out and you feel a little bit encouraged and strong, but then all of a sudden, boom. Oh, that's why you told me. And now you're able to face that mob and face that Judas or face that situation that comes at you. That's how good God is. He loves you. He cares for you. And he prepares you. The Bible says he doesn't give you nothing that you can't handle. But if we're not armed and ready, we're the ones that are disqualifying our own selves. Because God qualifies us and God calls us and God equips us. But we have to stay consistent in that. And you can be consistent for a long time and it's that one day that you forget to do what you need to do that all hell breaks loose. Come on, we've been working so hard, church. And what we need to do to let a Judas take us out. Come on, some of you guys have been serving the Lord for a long, long time. And then all it takes is one moment where, where, where disobedience comes into our lives. We're not doing exactly what we need to do. And it takes us out. That's why there's backsliders. Come on. They, they, they weren't planning to get saved and backslide. Come on, no one's going to say, I'm going to get saved. Amen, I'll backslide in a year. No one comes with that attitude. You're excited. You get saved. No one plans backsliding. Backsliding is the purpose of things that we have faltered in, that we have failed to do, and God prompts us in every service, and there's altar calls that we need to be at that we didn't answer, and there's things that we didn't do that we we're supposed to do, amen, and things start to slack, amen, we forget to pray, we forget to read the word, we stop giving. All this is part of that, and then boom, you're out. He brings a Judas and knocks you out. Come on, we, we've all been there. God's there, so he's right there saying, come on, pray, get up, get up, get up. No, I'm tired. Uh, come on, go to the prayer meeting. Oh, no. Come on, come on. Uh, come on, let's go to Goldman. No, forget Goldman. Hallelujah. Little plug for Goldman. Hallelujah. I'm going to stay home and watch some show. Church. You got to look at the importance because the time is getting short. 
and the devil's getting angry. You know, what you see on the news right now with abortion and and all this stuff, amen, it's all evil stuff that's rising up and we're sitting down doing nothing. The church has to rise up and pray. It's a time for the hour for us to pray, not only for ourselves, but for our nation, for our world. So many things are up the rise, amen. And we can complain about this, and we can complain about President Trump, and we can complain about that and this and that, but what are you doing? Are we seeking the way we need to seek as, as men and women of God in the church today? Because the time is coming that Judas is about to show up in this world. He's bringing a mob with him. We need to prepare ourselves because he's coming after you. He's coming after your, your, your marriage. He's coming after your children. And we need to be ready. We need to disciple them. And we need to prepare our children of what to come so they don't let fear overtake them. But they understand what is to come because God has prepared their hearts. We have to teach them how to pray. Did you hear that? We've got to teach our children how to pray. But we can't teach them if we're not doing it. We have to show the example of what prayer is. You should show that to them because they're going to need it. Because it's going to get worse and worse for them. Church, the world's not going to get any easier. We have to wake up and understand, church. The time and hour is coming for us to be the disciples that we need to be today. And it's not a bunch of just hype. It's a bunch of doing and living for God. You can have all the hype you want, but Judas hasn't shown up for them yet. Because when Judas shows up, then we know who you are. We'll know who we really are. And so, churches, prepare ourselves. Amen? I'm going to close today because my stomach is saying, let's eat. I'm just playing. No, I'm not. As I close today, let's take a moment and look back at all the people who have made the greatest impact upon your life. I want you to look back to the people that invested in you, that made the greatest impact in your life. And I'm sure the list will consist of people who have influenced you in a positive way. But what about the Judases of your past? How about the ones that betrayed you and hurt you the most? How have they affected you? See, the answer to that shows how you process betrayal. Because if you really don't know who you really are until your Judas shows up, Listen, church, forget what hurts you, but never forget what taught you. Amen. Understand that some people come into your life as a blessing, while others come into your life as a lesson or as a Judas. Because what hurts you today, church, will make you stronger tomorrow. Amen. Let's all stand up. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord some praise.